place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Comics well, hey there. How you doing? This is the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 71. Thank you so much for joining. My name is Chris Latori, and I'll be the host for this entire thing. <laughs> Thanks for joining in. And if you already follow us on all the social media, thank you very much. If you don't, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Sunspots Comics. And you're listening to issue 71, where I'll be covering New Comic Book Day, September 7th. And it is a delicious breakfast burrito packed with all the good things you love. Yep, true, true story. Thank you very much for joining me. And also, if you want to play along or or maybe even just play a comic book-related game on the Xbox One, I'm there now. You can play with me. My gamer tag is Sunspots Comics. Send me a friend request and maybe we'll just nerd out for a little bit. It'll be fun. Thank you. A couple of thank yous. Uh, first to my friend, Nick Papa George, for making our amazing Sunspots Comics theme song. Thank you very much, Nick. Check him out at facebook.com slash popdees and on his Instagram at pop underscore dees. And thank you to my son, Justin Jables Latori for his work on our Sunspots Comics blog. Please go to it every so often at blog.sunspotscomics.com. It's very good. Thank you for doing it, Justin. And the next one coming up is going to be on the Suicide Squad movie. He's been telling me that for a couple of weeks now that he's going to get it to me. But you know how school and work and and life is for those college students. But it'll be coming soon. So check it out again. Blog.sunspotscomics.com And also, this is a quick uh, announcement. I have a fun freebie Friday giveaway. I announced it on, on Instagram on Friday that I'm giving away this very cool little exclusive Futurama Planet Express ship from QM. It's like a little mini master vehicle and I just want to give it away to someone and all you have to do is just give us a five star and positive review on iTunes or sign up for our Facebook page at facebook.com slash sunspotscomics or just sign in to sunspotscomics.com slash contact and you'll actually, all of those of course qualify you and you'll be entered in to win this Loot Crate exclusive. And I'll be giving it away and announcing the winner on September 23rd and mailing it right out to you. So yes, enter in now for our fun Freebie Friday giveaway. So without further ado, let's jump right into the Sunspots Comics podcast issue number 71. Starting out with just some weird nerd stuff floating around in my nerd brain. And the first thing that jumps right in there is the DC Comics Young Animal Imprint, which it's actually going to be, the lead storyteller is going to be Gerard Way, who not only is his body of work as an artist for the group My Chemical Romance, is just one of my, it's one of my favorites. I love that band and I remember them from the very beginning and it's just, it's dark, it's a little emo, yes, it's a little brooding, but it's just a ton of fun, the kind of rock I, I like. And he's also a fantastic comic book writer. His body of work is ridiculous. Um, There's even this, I definitely recommend this Edge of Spider-Verse number five out of five that he did. He wrote it and it's like, it's called Spy slash DR Man. And it's this very sort of manga influenced version of Peter Parker in Tokyo and the way that he has written the sort of spider mech bot it's it's an amazing little one-shot story and we really didn't get to see much or any of that ever again i would love for him to continue on that but check out edge of spider-verse 5 of 5 gerard way wrote that himself but doom patrol is the first of the dc animal young young animal imprint that will be coming out next wednesday september 14th so i'm definitely going to grab that and there's going to be four titles right off the bat there's doom patrol Like I said, coming out next week, there's Shade the Changing Girl, which is sometime in October. They haven't actually finalized the preview date or the date of that release. Uh, Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. I'm definitely checking that out. And Mother Panic. So you can already tell there's going to be kind of a twisted look here for DC, kind of an outside the normal box, a little strange, a little dark, dark, a little twisted, which I like that. And I'm definitely, definitely in and going to be reading that. And I like, I saw the first, I read the first seven pages of Doom Patrol number one. Uh, and I, I tell you, I'm impressed. I like the way it looks. It's, 
It's a little unique and a little different for DC. I like that. It has kind of an image, sort of indie sort of feel to it, and I'm all on board. I am definitely excited about the Young Animal imprint from DC Comics, and especially since Gerard Way is running it. So I'm going to be checking out all four titles of that, and I'll give you a review as they come. But like I said, I've already read the first seven pages of Doom Patrol number one that comes out next week. I highly recommend it. It just has this unique twisted little look for it and it's something fresh and a unique perspective love all the alter uh, the the variant covers of doom patrol number one uh, they are looking seriously good and so i'm i'm definitely it's a no-brainer i'm in i'm gonna grab that next week and i'll be talking about that next thing on my nerd brain is the local comic book shop day and this is kind of interesting it's going to announce that image announced that it's going to be november 19th and it's just the second time that the comic book shops will have the chance to have sort of their own day. It's the only industry event that's created and run by the actual retailers, for retailers. So I think it's going to be, I mean, what does that mean for us? I think it's just going to be like probably a big sale, just promotions, just things that the comic book shops will try to do to get us in there and spend some money. So they haven't really completely announced what it is. We've still got some time being that it's not until November 19th, but Local Comic Shop Day is on its way, so more will be coming as we get closer to that, but I will be, I'm sure I will be talking about it, and hopefully here in Los Angeles, there'll be some local comic book shops doing something unique and different, and hopefully that equates to some big sales, ultimately. Also on my nerd lobes, Image Comics announced that a comic called Moonshine is coming very soon. It looks like the, the release date is going to be November 19th and I'm excited about this because it's headmanned by Brian Azzarello who's the writer on it and the art is by Eduardo Risso who is just gorgeous and Brian Azzarello recently he's been writing this title called American Monster that I'm really enjoying it's on the Aftershock publishing title really really super good dark gritty revenge story of this Desert Storm uh, PTSD army military i think he's a marine that is going after his his group of military buddies that just uh they they torched him they they tried to kill him we still don't know why he's laying out a great foundation of this interesting story and a just very very twisted town and group of people he's really setting up an interesting stage of characters that are all involved in American Monsters. So check that out. So I'm enjoying that so much that I'm really super excited about Moonshine, written by Brian Azzarello. So looks like uh, November 19th. It should be on the shelves then. So I'll be talking about that as we get closer, but I got that Im that information from Image Comics, and I was just totally excited about it. So those are just a couple things. And the very last thing on my nerd brain is that I'm actually writing a comic book called Zombie Destroyers. Yes, I'm doing the writing, the coloring, and the lettering. And my buddy uh, Jordan Hudson is actually doing his fantastic art for it. Please check out his Instagram at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art is really, really super nice. It has kind of, to me, like a Frank Quietly kind of style. And uh, he... It's, it's just very unique. His lines are, are like nothing I've ever seen, and I, I really enjoy it. So thank you, Jordan, so much for all your work. I also have the website zombiedestroyers.com, where I've posted four sample pages of Jordan's art there, and I just updated it recently. So check out Zombie Destroyers from time to time. And just a little uh, update and uh, as to where we are on Zombie Destroyers. He is finalized, I think, completed page 13. We're going to be collaborating very soon to get 14 and 15 rolling. So that's just a little update as to where we are there, but we hope to release Zombie Destroyers sometime, issue number one, sometime next year. So uh, just to keep your fingers crossed because it's just a labor of love. It's just a passion project for me. I'm just putting my heart and soul and all of me in there. And thankfully, Jordan has been able to capture that, harness that, and put it on the page. It's just gorgeous. Check out zombiedestroyers.com. And also, just wanted to, uh, that's the last thing on my nerd brains. And I also want to just highlight a segment that I'm trying to shed some light, give some Sunspot love, Sunspot's Comics love to anyone in the comic book community that's really trying to make it, that's up and coming, that's struggling to make it in the comic book business. And I'm calling that little segment Spotlighting. So if you yourself are a writer, colorist, inkist, artist, anyone that's involved in any sort of aspect of creating a comic book, 
just hit me up. Send me an email at chris at sunspotscomics.com, of course, or just hit me up on all the social media at sunspotscomics on everything. Okay, so let's get into my favorite part of the Sunspots Comics podcast, which is my comic book reviews and recommendations where I pick my favorite comic books for New Comic Book Day, September 7th. And also, spoiler alert, ring the bell. Yes. Every single week I work extremely hard to just make sure I'm harnessing my powers of persuasion and just by inspiring you to buy these comic books. So I definitely stay away from the last couple of pages and don't spoil that. So you have been warned though, spoiler alert, I really try not to give you every single aspect of the comic, but I am covering some of it. So last chance here, spoiler alert, Be you have been warned. And also to see everything that I'm reading all of my favorite comic book week picks since going back to May of 2015. Just go to sunspotscomics.com. Just click on pull list. You'll also see the 108 titles that I'm currently reading and buying. And you'll also uh, just click on favorite comic books, top comic books of the week. And you'll see all of my top picks going all the way back to May of 2015. And I've just updated and compacted and simplified the site. And I'm proud of it. So please check it out. Again, it's sunspotscomics.com. And this week's art winner is Joelle Jones for her fantastic, beautiful art on Lady Killer Volume 2, Number 2 from Dark Horse Comics. And it's just fantastic. Not only is she, she's written the whole story, she's laid out the plots, she's doing the art as well. And that's not easy to do. That's, that's a tough thing to do. And she's also the art cover winner. You have to see it. It's like she's in this kitchen in the 50s with the sort of roses uh, wallpaper you can just easily tell from all the, the multicolored tupperware that has sort of blood all over it and there's a sink there with an arm sticking out and our main character here she very much uh, embodies the, the 50s with her, her overall sort of attire um, yet she's an assassin she's a murderer she's a killer for hire and it's just iconic it's gross it's like uh, it has this feeling for me of Dexter and that dark passenger that she has but it's uh, twisted in its own little way and and it's just gorgeous the coloring on it is amazing it's you have to give Michelle Madsen uh, just props and my goodness I love your work I'm a huge fan thank you so much Michelle Madsen for your gorgeous coloring it really makes Joelle Jones's art just pop and and really have some beautiful contrast and all of the shadowing that you guys are doing is amazing so that is the art winner and the art cover winner is lady killer volume two number two check it out but i'll be talking more about that soon and to recap this week i actually bought 16 comic books and 10 of them made it to my favorite pick list which is fantastic it's more than that 50 percent of them being great which i'm always shooting for there were definitely some solid goods. This was a really fantastic week of comic books. Let me tell you, it was hard to pick the list and the lineup. I read these all three, four, seven, nine, eleven times, went back and forth and, and battled them against each other until I was able to lay out all the all ten of them in order. And also there were three new number ones this week, which was Eclipse, which was which was really interesting. Glitter Bla uh, Glitter Bomb and Skyborn. And all three of them made it to my top picks this week, which is amazing. And I'll unveil the order here very soon. So here we go. Without further ado, let's jump right into my top comic book picks for New Comic Book Day, September 7th. Coming in at number 10 is Rise of the Black Flame from Dark Horse Comics. This is created by Mike Mignola, so it definitely has that BPRD, that Hellboy feel to it. I love that. Uh, Amazing Screw-On Head is another one. Check that out as well. Story here by Mike Mignola and Chris Roberson. Art by Christopher Mitten. And colors by Dave Stewart. The colors are just out of this world. Top-notch. And we initially get to see the black flame in the first page. In the first sequence, it sort of shows from 2014 to 2006 to 1944 to 1932 to 1928. So it just gives you this overall sort of global epic sense of the black flame has been around is there is going to continue to be there as this good entity bad entity i love that you don't really know at first i don't have a ton of background into this black flame character if it's brand new or if it's not but it's definitely interesting looks a little like ghost rider but just black and shadowy and it's like this this smoke is rising from it and 
So we're seeing some monks here. We're seeing that because it starts from the very present and goes all the way to 1928. And you see that there is this man that is resurrecting this black flame. So it's just a nod to that, a smidge, a little taste of just the origin of this black flame. And then we're introduced to these two characters that looks like they're in the British intelligence or just maybe British military in 1928. And... It's mixing a couple of stories here, whereas there is a murder, there is a body that's shown up, and they think that it's part of this dark cult, potentially. And also, there are British people living in this, in the town of, which I think is Burma. Yeah, it is Burma. Colonial British Burma in the in late in 1928. And children are missing. And it's a little social commentary as how it's interesting that the military will get involved for British children, but not children of Burma that go multiply missing every single day and no one sort of cares. Kind of a sad point of fact, I guess, there for the, t the time that, that it was. And this, uh, these two characters that are of this British military, they have been given the task of finding where these children are and also maybe solving this murder of this body that showed up at the British... The uh, like the the international home of, of Britain that represents that's there in Burma. And so, yeah, they've got this double task. They have to sort of travel. They have to sort of seek out this woman that has been on similar sort of extra normal, extra paranormal adventures, if you will. And they find her in the in the least likely of places in sort of this bar when they're kind of giving up. And so it has this epic traveling feel. And yes, there this woman is they meet in a bar is telling some of the stories, these dark, dark stories of things she's been involved in in the past. They quickly believe her and they're going to pick up the trail and have her join their crew and try to find out if this murder was cult related and where the children are. And that's ultimately what this is. It's some great setup, not a lot of action, but it's just some fantastic setup with some interesting characters here that are going to be involved in this epic journey of solving this murder and finding where the missing children are. So does that have something to do with the Black Flame or is that a direct reflection of this, this uh, sort of evil, dark uh, cult that's rising now? Uh, we have to tune in and check it out, but I'm definitely in. It has that BPRD, that Hellboy, that amazing screw-on head feel. I am all about that. So coming in at number nine is one of those brand new number one, another brand new number one, as Rise of the Black Flame was, is Glitter Bomb, number one. And this is from Image Comics. This is a story by Jim Zub, the line art by, oh my goodness, I'm going to mispronounce his first name, Gibril Morissette hyphen fan. Sorry. <laughs> these names it's d-j-i-b-r-i-l gibral i don't know but anyway this is an interesting kind of twisted tale a kind of origin story if you will as to this woman that's this middle-aged not middle-aged but maybe in in the realm of the acting world she's a little past her prime in her 30s which is nuts having a hard time becoming an actor and she's in sort of a uh a audition and this man is just putting her down, saying that she's kind of Mr. Prime. And you just, the guy is slimy and you're like, oh, where's this going? You feel like there's going to be some sort of inappropriate offer made here. And then she quickly kills him with this tentacle-like tongue that comes out of her mouth with a giant spike on it. And that's just a an introduction to this character. So she sort of doesn't know what's happening. She's like, uh, she's confused. Her voice changes. I love that little, the the audio bubble here goes from dark background and she's kind of very angry to like, oh my God, it happened again. And her face and her eyes and everything changes when this, this crazy pink tentacle spike launches from her mouth. It's a little of that, the strain, the stragoy is what it reminds me of a little. <laughs> but I don't want to spoil it as to the very end of it, but it does spend some time with her origin you do feel bad for this character and kind of root for her uh even when she's having this horrible conversation with a younger actress that's in this that's in this um this audition and how this younger actress puts her down and so you're rooting for her and she uh how she sort of gets this this dark passenger <laughs> uh entity to come inside of her to get to enter her body is a little twisted and I don't want to waste it there, but it, it happens to her. They sort of show it. They play with time a little bit. 
but most it's mostly linear but you get to see as to why she's like that she has a, she's a single mom she has an adorable son that she's trying to take care of and a babysitter that's just really taking advantage of her and it has a a unique kind of sarcastic writing style which i like especially the conversation between the teen something babysitter and our main character that's just trying to catch a break in the acting community and so it's kind of set in california you can tell in LA and uh, Glitter Bomb. Twisted, interesting, kind of has that Twilight Zone feel. But you kind of root for her, like I said, because you're kind of sad. She's trying to make it in the acting biz. And uh, coming in at number eight is The Walking Dead from Image Comics, number 158. This is The Whisperer War, part two of six. This is, of course, the creator and writer Robert Kirkman, penciling by Charlie Adlard. And this black and white comic is just getting better and better and better. And this Whisper War, this is this is a war comic. This is where sort of the war's kicking in. You do get an initial scene here with, I won't tell you who, but it's a person on a water tower that involves them. Uh, the Whisper's coming into town, and this person, uh, well, doesn't make it. <laughs> and it is a major character, that's all I'll say. And uh, I didn't know right off the bat who this major character was, but uh, take note. It is a major character. It is someone on the TV show. And yeah, they don't do so well. And then you get to see Beta. Beta comes in and stabby twisty. And the whole sequence there of the Whisper army, Armada, behind him coming in to the various towns here is, is awesome. It's brooding. It's uh, frightening. And they've got a ton of them. And I like the fact that they sort of visit all the characters, give you an idea as to where they are. There is a part of Rick's group that is asking for help in one of these small towns, and they're just like, no, I like this. And they're like, no, we're not helping you fight this Whisper War. As a matter of fact, give us your horse. I like this whole sequence. It's just messed up. And not everybody is uh, is Team Rick here. And then you get to see uh, the aftermath of Rick making another speech. I mean, this town just must be like... I, there has to be some people rolling their eyes going, oh, Rick and another speech. Here we go. <laughs> but it's the aftermath of it. And you get to see what happens with the <laughs> the guy that's uh, that's that's on the the shortwave radio, Eugene, that's on the shortwave radio speaking to someone that he's trying not to give too much information. But, you know, he is. And are they part of the whisper group or not in this CB radio two way conversation that this idiot is having with someone? just seems like he's giving away too much information in past issues that seems like it's definitely going to come to bite them in the ass yes it feels like it's there but you get more of the other towns and what's happening and you get negan that again is on the loose and not trusted i love this scene between the his his ex uh, right hand man number one uh, with the burnt face i'm so bad with the names on this and some of the faces look very similar but there's negan and that guy they've got issues and they're here to get ready to fight a war together, but uh, Burnface Guy doesn't trust Negan and doesn't want to give him a weapon. So it's just a ton going on. I really like everything that's being set up here. And then every so often it's sprinkled in with uh, the Whispers and the Armada of Walkers all coming towards the various compounds. Yeah, and then the action begins and it's just absolute mayhem. So definitely check it out. Of course, there is a final two or three pages that uh, is of course in Robert Kirkman fashion very much the cliffhanger at the end but Walking Dead 158 fantastically done and it's just a ton of war ton of action it's happening here and nice to think that this is only part two of the Whisper War and there's four more to go I, I, I can't wait to see where this all goes so definitely check out the Walking Dead and jump in immediately and coming in at number seven is from Action Lab, Danger Zone, Blood and Dust, number two. And this is ultimately like a Dracula versus Swamp Monster kind of comic book. That's why I love it. <laughs> it's this sort of old man Logan vampire. Best way to describe him. It's a vampire that's been around a long time. He's done a lot of bad, but he's done a lot of good. And he now he just kind of wants to be left alone, but nobody wants to leave him alone. Everybody wants to come up there and poke at him and, and poke the bear and... And find out why old man vampire has been living up there and wants to be left alone. And yeah, sometimes there's uh, there's there's children missing and there's people missing. And he lives in this swampland. And I love this sort of swamp 
life and aspect and people that are all around this this world that the creators have, have created here. And by the way, props to created and written by Michael R. Martin and Adam Orndorff, illustrated by Roy Allen Martinez and gorgeous dark coloring by Raymond Lee. And so we see Mr. Old Man Dracula here at the beginning, just trying to establish himself as why he wants to be left alone and that he does good, he does bad, he's conflicted, he, he wants to just be left alone, but sometimes he has to do good stuff. There's children missing, there's people missing in the swamp. He reluctantly gets involved, and there is a swamp monster. And I love the two-page splashes here that they really spend some fantastic time. You, it, It's just a fun world to be in. It's dark, it's vampire-y, I don't want to waste anything that happens. This is going to be a seriously short review because... It's just action-packed, and there's a couple things here I don't want to blow, and it's just some great visual storytelling of this swamp monster versus Dracula. That's ultimately what it is. Grab it. It's fantastic. Hard to get that it's from this indie publisher, Action Lab Danger Zone, but I'm glad I found it. I definitely recommend it. The art is stellar. It's dark. It's creepy, but it's also a ton of fun. It's just that that vampire story I've been longing for for a little while, and it kind of takes, like I said, that Marvel Wolverine Old Man Logan kind of mixed with Dracula. So such good stuff. Blood and Dust, number two, made my seven pick of the week. And coming in number six is the art winner and the cover art winner this week, and it is Lady Killer, volume two, number two, from Dark Horse Comics. And this is story and art by Joelle Jones, colors by Michelle Madsen, and it is it is beautifully drawn. This is set in these sort of 40s and 50s, so it has this very clean, very squeaky clean sort of sort of American Pie sort of feel to it. But Lady Killer is a is an assassin, is a murderer for hire, and you sort of don't root for her because she's doing these, she's killing like housewives and I guess people that want insurance claims, and she's kind of. Like I said, she, she's not really morally bound by these murders that she's creating, but uh, stunning to look at, and you're sort of rooting for her in that she has a family that's completely clueless, and these two little young uh, blonde daughters that are just gorgeous and adorable, and this is sort of the introduction of a character uh, that, that introduces uh, himself as Irving uh, to Mrs. Schuler. that's our main character's name, and he wants to be a cleaner. He wants to do, he doesn't want to partner with her in any other way but being the cleanup guy. And that's kind of gross because she's murdering people and he's giving her examples of how horrible she is at hiding bodies and he's really good at it and that's what he wants to do is, is chop up and uh, put lie on and, and bury and, and uh, yeah, he wants to dispose of the bodies because that's what he likes to do. And it is the, the and quickly establishing itself near a swampland community it's kind of feels like it's set in florida and so she has sort of no way to deny irving because irving knows where she lives irving knows about her family irvin has uh, witnessed what happened in volume one of lady uh, killer which was her battling against the organization she was involved with uh, being this hit woman for hire and so he's sort of blackmailed his way way into being the cleanup guy, which seems like a not a not a hard sell. <laughs> yeah, you can clean up my murders. Go for it. But will that come back to haunt her? Hmm, I don't know. Because he used this black mealy style. So then there's this this on the beach uh, Christmas in July beach party that they're having, and it's just this, like I said, a slice of Americana and apple pie, and the old-fashioned uh, bathing suits are here. And her family is there, and uh, the husband's boss is, in, is just this inappropriate groping guy that always is kind of drunk and uh, touching everyone and is just gross and slimy. But it's an interesting character. And, of course, the husband's clueless of her murdering Rampage for hire. And then Irving shows up at the party, and she's like, what are you doing here trying to keep the old murderer-slash-mom life separate? And here you are. And he's again further the furthering the I've got you blackmailed. You have to let me clean up uh, your dead bodies, or I'm going to keep showing up uh, at the family picnics and whatnot. So there's some complexity there, and he's this kind of old crotchety man that's kind of interesting. And even in his his speech pattern here is just kind of fun. And Mrs. Schuler is really frustrated by this. 
And then ultimately, it's an introduction into another sort of hitman entity that wants to jump in and recruit her. And uh, I love the sort of conversation they have at a bingo parlor. Yeah, seems like the worst place to have this kind of conversation about, yeah, we want to hire you as a killer. We like your work. We really uh, think you're doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, come and work for us. And again, they know everything. Her background, her history, her family, about the past, her past with that other hitman entity and yet so she's again being sort of blackmailed into doing dastardly deeds for another assassin organization so yeah so how is mrs Schuler going to handle that and the family life at the same time so interesting story i can definitely see this as an amc uh, tv show it's just gonna happen mark my words watch <laughs> so that is my number six and coming in at number five is batman rebirth Number six, this is written by Tom King, and it's art by Ivan Reese. And this really hit me on an emotional level, this particular comic. That's why it's such a high pick this week. So you have Gotham Girl, Gotham Lady, Gothamette Girl, I think is her name. She is basically has Superwoman's powers here. And in the previous issues, they show their origin, but her parents have died, and now Gotham Guy has been killed. You have to see the previous ones as to what happened there and why her parents are dead. And she's been infected by Psycho Pirate. And they also actually show a sort of Psycho Pirate, but that's not his name. Later on, we'll get to that. But she is sort of mentally twisted. She's talking to her dead brother, but she's also sort of going around Gotham and saving people. But everywhere she goes, she's talking to her dead brother and she shaves her head and she's laughing a lot so she's definitely twisted and they show sort of her work week it goes monday through friday and there is a two funny sort of characters there's a strange pirate and there's also this guy named colonel blimp that's right and he uh it has a, a submarine attached to a blimp right physics aside anyway <laughs> there's a, a blimp carrying a submarine and he wants to get 30 million dollars and then gotham girl has to sort of save the day and then there's a pirate I just, it's funny actually, because he speaks so pirate like, and he's captured a bunch of Batman sort of wannabes? Copies? Carbon copies? For some reason, I didn't know, or maybe we didn't know that there was sort of Gotham copycats, or Batman Gotham, uh, copycats around town. He, well, the pirates gathered them together, hoping that one of them's the real Batman, and making him walk the plank off of buildings. <laughs> so, yeah, and Gotham Girl luckily shows up there. But again, continually, she's talking to herself, and you feel this sort of twisted, this twisted uh, mental thing she's going through, this psychotraumatic event that's happened in her life, and uh, yeah, you feel for her, and she's laughing and crying, and she's, and, and then finally Batman shows up, and you're like, okay, good, and the conversation that they have, and Bruce takes his, his, his mask off and shows who he is, and they have, they have this heartfelt conversation, and it really got to me. She's she's really having a hard time. We're not sure what's sinking in into her psyche about her parents and her brother dying, but it finally sort of does, and Batman doesn't have to fight her. He just appeals to that softer side of her and, and gets her to they they hug and embrace, and it's a beautiful, beautiful panel here written by Ivan drawn by Ivan Reese of them embracing each other and that's the core, it's the heart. And you gotta see that folks. If you don't feel a little something here, you're dead inside. And you need to do something and eat some vitamins. I don't know, something. <laughs> but Gotham Girl and, and Bruce Wayne have a, an embrace here, a moment. And it says a ton for me. I don't know. It's just a, that, that Bruce Wayne is smart. And that Bruce, Main, uh, Bruce Wayne has been through something similar here. And he, he tells her about himself and, and opens up. And it's, it's really heartwarming and touching and drawn so beautifully well. And the emotional... The, both of their faces, the, the just their emotions is drawn so well and the tears coming down their face. It's fantastic. I don't want to say any more. It's, it, you have to experience it. Yes, put aside the kind of goofy <laughs> throwaway sort of bad guys. Oh, there's one other one I forgot about. Kite Man. That's right. So you got, a, uh, you got the uh, blimp guy, a kite man, and uh, a pirate guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you quickly get past that because there is this. It's about Gotham Girl and her, her psycho-traumatic event so anyway really enjoyed it fantastic batman has been really really doing well with the rebirth title read them all they're really good and coming in at number four is moon knight from marvel comics moon knight number six this is written by jeff lemire this is artists on this wilfredo torres he's got the brunt of it 
Francesco Francavilla does a couple of uh, little two or three in the middle pages, and James Stokey, he kind of does the ending sequence. And they pair together so well. Because this is a multiple personality sort of uh, brain trip, it's nice when they change art styles because he's he's going into another personality. And that just, I love the way that, that happens. And the opening sequence here of how now you have Mark Spector filming a Marvel movie, I, I love that sort of flash to reality. And you have the head manner, the executive producer that is uh, uh, his, uh, one of his other personalities here. So which personality is it? You're not really sure because Stephen Grant is here as the Marvel movie producer and he's he's getting ready to do junkets uh, for the press for the for the Moon Knight movie. I just love that it's it seems like it's going to be reality. It's going to be something that's going to be happening. Maybe not in three years, maybe in five or seven years where we'll get a Moon Knight movie. I also feel like they're kind of preaching it here. Like we need a we need a Moon Knight movie eventually and that they're doing these press junkets in a mental institution as sort of an awareness thing for the movie and also awareness of mental illness that ties right into this Moon Knight character. So it's like fourth wall kind of stuff. Or is it? Because it could be again uh, inside of just Mark Spector Moon Knight's mind. I like that even though the last arc sort of ended, you thought that with Anibus and Khonshu and New York City being run by run over by pharaohs and, and pyramids and sand, that we were going to see a more sane take maybe possibly, but no, we're right back into the multiple personality disorder that is Moon Knight, and he's going from the set of the filming of the Moon Knight movie to boom, Frank, Franco, uh, Francisco Francovia's sort of flashback to the 70s, very afterlife with Archie sort of horror look and these purples and blues that's just gorgeous and he is the taxi driver and he's being told by someone in the back seat that is there or isn't there it's just a it's just it just keeps you on the edge of your seat where did any of this really happen and he's like my name is Jake Crawley and the person he's talking to in the back seat is gone he's a taxi driver so again another part of his personality and it just keeps twisting with the last sequence, which I don't even want to explain because it's it's very different, very unique looking, really changes gears here with some interesting art by James Stokey. And it takes a turn where you're like, okay, you're on the moon. What is what is happening? And <laughs> it has this Battlestar Galactica Star Wars feel. It's all I'm going to tell you. But uh, the, the three different art styles, the multiple personality disorder, it is all just a ton of fun and keeps you guessing. And what's really happening? Is it life or is it not life? Is it reality or this is all in his head? That's Moon Knight. Yeah, we need a movie. We need a Netflix series. We need something of this. 2020. I, I, that's when I say it's going to happen. That's my prediction. Mark it down. So now here we go into the top three comic books of the week. This is the top three out of ten. So here we go. The Coming in at number three is Daredevil. By Marvel Comics, number 11. This is written by Charles Soule. This is art by Ron Garney. And I have to give props to Matt Miller on color. He's doing this Frank Miller style of coloring. A lot of very washed out tones, blacks, whites, and then the red really pops. The opening sequence is an, in, uh, an, an unhuman, an X-Gene, uh, an X-Men, a mutant. Whatever you want to call it with all that continuity stuff going on. And he's running from these guys in an alley that just want to beat him up because he's an inhuman. Like, he is uh, his only power is to sort of create these large snowflakes in the sky, yet they want to beat him up for it. And it's kind of sad. You're like, oh. But definitely harkens back to old X-Men and old inhumans of how just uh, these these... These punks want to just beat him up for that. And then there is this blur-like figure that seems to kill all of these bullies and the inhuman as well, I guess. Yeah. So I like that this is weaving in this interesting mystery, this sort of serial killer that has created this mural of which Daredevil believes is made up of over 125 dead people because he can tell that through the blood with his enhanced senses, which is crazy. Uh, maybe they aren't dead. Maybe he's uh, mistaken here. It's the first time that he's had so many different blood samples of all different people. Maybe they're all alive. He doesn't know. But it could be this massive serial killer that's made this giant painting, this mural, in this warehouse. And then this sleazy warehouse owner has decided to charge like 20 bucks and let people walk through it to see this. And <laughs> as the conversation here is like, yeah, it's a very New York thing. Uh, this guy's going to make a killing. It's just sort of nuts. 
that because there really isn't any proof that it could be from a ton of dead people. We don't really know. It could be missing people. But yeah, you get uh, you get to see this sleaze bag that's decided to charge it because it's within his rights to do that to charge people to go see this crazy blood mural. And then we have some politician that's high up there in the rankings, kind of threatening him and and without fully saying it, blackmailing him to shut this down, or she's going to have, there's going to be repercussions. And of course, that's when the district attorney of New York and Mr. Matt Murdock is called onto the scene. He believes he's going to be fired, which I like this whole sequence, but then they actually say like, look, yeah, we want to consider firing you, but we're going to give you one last chance to really show that you're this amazing attorney. And I love of that, of course, Charles Soule, the writer here, is an actual attorney. So it has this genuine, genuine grounded sort of lawyer sensibility. I love that. And so he's been given the task to potentially shut down Mr. Warehouse Owner that's charging people for looking at this giant blood mural. And then there's a sequence with Foggy, and you want things to be good here, and you want the relationship to be happy and, and best buddies, and it is not. It is quite the opposite. So it's awkward. And I, I love awkward. <laughs> but they're in a coffee shop. Foggy's just kind of fed up. He's sort of done. But like that's the only person Matt has. And you feel that, that that's just sort of unfortunate. He can't really confide in anyone. Foggy knows his entire life. And he just is just uh, wants really not much to do with him. And it's sad. There's a little sad sequence there. Because you want them to be best friends and be happy. But from there, that's kind of where I'm going to leave it. Uh, the mural is changed, and the changing of that, it throws a monkey wrench into the sleazebag warehouse owner that wants to show the mural for 20 bucks, and also uh, they, they have to close it down because now the evidence has been tampered, and so Matt's on the scene. And the last part I'll say is that, that this person, that the blur image looks like they're setting up this these just horrible... Li like living murals of inhumans that he's going around and killing. You're not sure if they're dead, if they're alive, but he's setting up this artistic scene as like a what the in the inhumans are posed and stood up as in is doing regular things in their lives to sort of an underlying message of inhumans are people too and do normal things. But I, I don't want to describe the visual because it's fantastic. And uh, ultimately, we're in this. Uh, we're uh, we, we're going to be getting an introduction to a. A new bad guy. He's the blur at the beginning. So who is that? What is it? Who, who has? Did he kill everyone? I love where this is going. It's a lot of questions. It's a lot of setup, but it's a great beginning to a brand new arc of Daredevil, which has been solid and fantastic and consistent. And that's why number eleven here is my number three pick of the week. So definitely grab Daredevil. It's been amazing. My number two pick is the three of three of the number ones, the new number ones, which is Skyborn. Number one, this is created, written, and illustrated by Frank Cho, and I love Frank Cho's art. My goodness, everything that he's ever done is fantastic, and I like that this is a, it's primarily focused around a female character here with some amazing powers. It's kind of like a, like a Wonder Woman, but much more brutal, and that it's, it's less bodacious. He's, he's, he's sometimes given grief for how just... Uh, the major boobage that he draws in these characters uh, and some of it is like come on and he, he tones it down here but there's still some of it but <laughs> the opening sequence of uh, 30 years ago somewhere over China where this guy's attempting to kill himself and kisses this picture of this woman and falls out of a plane you see him just falling to his death as he kills himself and he's plummeting to his doom here somewhere over China and these two men are carrying a uh, they have a donkey and a a basket and they see this guy just hit the earth and create this like four foot hole and the guy opens his eyes and just says an expletive <laughs> and so that's just the tone of this i love the setting of it you're like okay yeah guys attempts to kill himself and he's pissed that he couldn't and uh, he creates a crater in the earth falling from a plane so then you're introduced into the children of skyborn there's a little sort of hey this is what it is this Someone named Skyborn, Lazarus, uh, after a miraculous resurrection. So we don't know what that means, but it's just an introduction. He fathered three children. So we have Abraham, Thomas, and Grace Skyborn. But this focuses, I think, around, well, Thomas, who maybe tried to kill himself at the beginning, and then Grace primarily. And she's hunting down a sword, which I won't tell you what sword or its significance. But when you know the name of it, you'll understand. And she's hunting down this sword for some sort of benefactor. She represents the Mountaintop Foundation. So you don't even know who that is. 
You don't know who Lazarus is, her father, but it just sort of jumps right in into this action sequence where she's these people have the sword and she asks politely. They don't want to give her the sword and just action ensues. And she brutally, brutally murders people. And she's a f just fun to watch. Frank Cho's action sequences are top notch. This is very bright, very beautifully colored. Just its its tone is very multicolored and bright and beautifully done with some brutal action. She ultimately just puts her arms through people. <laughs> it's kind of her power. She doesn't need weapons. She just seems to be uh, impenetrable in skin. Doesn't seem like she can fly, but she has some amazing fighting ability. And then we see a new character towards the end here. Maybe it's your father. You don't know, but it's a man that is very... He's an older guy, and he's carrying a sort of staff. And she just immediately starts attacking him, and they fight. There's a sequence there. Who is he? We have no idea. It's just a... This is my action winner of the week, absolutely. She fires weapon at, weapons at him. Nothing's working. She's attacking him. He sort of has powers. I don't know. Is he a being of magic? You're not sure. But uh, Grace Skyborn is on the hunt, on the attack. Some great cliffhanger sort of ending here. You gotta see it. But Skyborn is a winner. Uh, I, I'm, I'm lucky that I got an advanced copy of it. My local comic book shop uh, was sold out. And uh, I'm st I still want to find it on paper. I, it's a keeper. Find it if you can. I'm sure now uh, some of the shops will be sold out. I'm sure they're going to probably reprint it because it's Frank Cho. But uh, very cool that he's in the... It's from Boom Studios, by the way. Kind of kind of cool. I, you don't see Frank Cho jump from DC or Marvel very often. He's typically a big two kind of guy. So kind of cool to see him, I think, flex a little bit more of his, of his independent skills here. And Boom Studios just kind of let him loose. And I, I really like that. And that's why it's my number two. It's definitely on the pull list. Definitely want to see where this is going. Some great, fantastic action sequences here from Mr. Frank Cho. Just top-notch art. Gra grab this. Get it. Download it. Whatever you got to do. Skyborn. Out of this world. But the number one pick of the week. Here we go. This is number one. And it's a number one that uh, is used to being up here in the number one spot. It is from DC Comics Superman Rebirth number six. And this is... Uh, storytelling written by Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. And this is Patrick Gleason back on penciling, back on art. He's been gone for a few issues, but they've had some some other artists take uh, over that spot temporarily that really look like his art. But this, you can very much tell that Patrick Gleason is back. And so I hope that he gets every three. I think he did one through three, and then he took a break, four and five, and then he's back on six. They got to give him some time. He has to sleep. I'm sure, because his art, his lines are gorgeous. This is Superman fighting the Eradicator still. The Eradicator is a tough being to put down. And Lois jumped jumped into a bat mech, and I love that. And Jonathan is there, and it's a battle on the moon. It's in a, in a Batman sort of compound that's on the moon. I love that, that there's like bat bots there. And this is just action-packed Superman fighting. He knows that his family is there. He's kind of giving it everything he, he possibly has. He gathered the soul of the Kryptonians that the Eradicator had absorbed, and now they're within him. So he just seems to be hypercharged here. And then he, I mean, Superman straight up goes Nova on this. And I know that's been referenced when Gene Loon Yang sort of created that new Superman power where he novas and creates like an atom bomb of his solar energy and then is just sort of without power for 24 hours. I don't know if that's a direct relation to what happens here, but it is sort of a Nova event. And Superman doesn't seem to be uh, void of all power. But I love also that the Eradicator absorbed Crypto, Superdog, and the way he extracts Superdog from the interior of the Eradicator is very cool. Like he tells, um, he tells Crypto to bite down and then he's able to sort of pull his spirit out of that. And whether it's a spirit, you're not kind of sure. He just sort of absorbs entities, but they got Crypto back and I'm a big sucker for Crypto with Superman and they team up together and it's Crypto and Superman fighting the Eradicator. I mean, who doesn't love that? And then you have your Nova event here and I just love the nobility, the way that Patrick Gleason draws uh, Superman and Crypto. It's just this noble, beautiful look, and it has just this just sort of heroic feel, and I love that. And then you have like Lois and, and Jonathan have an embrace here that's just sort of heartwarming, and you have Superman putting the 
putting the American flag back on the moon. What's more, what, there isn't anything more iconic than that. And uh, it's just gorgeous. And maybe with me in my mind about September 11th, uh, which is today, uh, seeing that image of Superman holding the, the American flag on the moon. I don't know. Just uh, it, it just hit me emotionally and choked me up a little. And then, and then what Superman decides to do with Jonathan here is awesome. Uh, I don't want to spoil it. It's just cool at the end here as to... Jonathan's sort of sad and is he going to have to go back in hiding and kind of lying and he doesn't really want that and 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 Superman decides maybe that's not what he's going to do and and who's going to be there who's going to who's going to be in that sort of coming out party for Jonathan what's what's is what's Superman going to do he has a a big decision to make here is he going to go back into hiding or is he not you're going to have to read it because the last few pages are definitely worth it and it's top-notch stuff here folks if you haven't read Superman Rebirth you need to all six have been good and Art by Patrick Leeson is, like I said, iconic, beautiful. The coloring here, it's just it, the way that, like I said, the nobility that he draws these characters, the, the family warmth and the love of the facial expressions, it's all there. It's top-notch stuff. So there you go. That's my top comic book picks and recommendations this week for New Comic Book Day, September 7th. Please go to your local comic book shop and buy these right away. You will not be disappointed. And if you have questions, comments, or maybe you want a personal recommendation, just go to uh, e- my emails. Just fire one off to me at chris at sunspotscomics.com. And if I choose your email and I discuss it on the podcast, I will send you a free comic book prize just as a personal thank you from me. And again, don't forget, I'm giving away that the, the freebie. Check it out. Check out my Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sunspots Comics to see the freebie that I'm giving away. And also tune in next week. I'm actually only reading 13 comics. Not too bad for September 14th. But there are five new number ones coming out. So I'm hoping they're good. Like I said, uh, the Young Animal Imprint. One of those is coming out next week, which is Doom Patrol number one, written by Gerard Way. I'm definitely looking forward to that. But there's four others. And I hope I get them all so I can discuss them and recommend them to you. So thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you want to help the show, simply just go to iTunes, give it us, give us a positive five-star review, and write a little positive blurb. We'd really appreciate it. And I will read those and personally thank you on a future podcast. So there you go. That, that's the show. Thank you so much again for tuning in. I will see you next week. And don't forget, of course, to be water, my friends. Be water. See you later. Goodbye. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where love no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow It's Sunspots Comics now